Hi everyone, Editor Sam here. Welcome to this week's episode of The Big Fat Hunt. Unfortunately, we've had a bit of a technical difficulty, which has meant that our episode this week will be delayed by a week. That's okay though. What we've got for you to this week is another look back into the archives of what was previously called Everything You Didn't Need to Know About. So this is our second ever practice episode that we did way back in the first lockdown in 2020. And this episode is about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is one of my favourite movies, one of my favourite books as a kid. So have a listen, check it out. It was before we used to give winners and before we had a factor controller. So it's a nice look back at, at where we've come from and where we've got to now. So sit back, relax, enjoy it. And we'll be back to your regularly scheduled programming next oh. week. Can I please once uh, checked out my wife, and it was an honour. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gladly done do it again. I think, I think we've all checked out your wife, Sam. She's pretty fit. <laughs> yeah. She's the only woman that is not paying child support to <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, Mike TV was originally going to be called Herpes Trout? Herpes think, Trout. Do you think they, they did it like herpes was already like a word in common kind of usage at that time? Or do you think? Surely. Like, and Trout the same, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> trout was very popular. I was just wondering, like, what do you mean by originally? Like, was this for 30 seconds before he came up with a better name. Or... <laughs> I, I wonder if originally like he had a different idea for what the kind of like punishment for the, that character was going to be. Maybe he just, you know, had sex with a trout and uh, <laughs> got an STI like Nicki Minaj's cousin. Um, There's a bit of a theme running through the names there. You've, you've got Veruca, which is also a small growth. Yes. In... Sure. Maybe Roald Dahl needed to go see a doctor. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> He designed a, a, a brain shunt. Yeah, the patient, he patented a brain shunt. I like that. I read about that. He said he just made it with his, just his mate, who was a neurosurgeon, and his other mate, who was a toy maker. And yeah. they, you know, they made the shunt to drain fluid from your, your, your noggin, and yeah. they yeah refused to take any payment from it. So it became like way cheaper to use than um the old thing that what they used was just an old like hose like a garden hose he had a roll doll sad life his, yep. his kid died then his other kid got that thing and then his wife died yep he he have you read was a boy i think is the name of, of his, yeah that's his, his, yeah boy and going solo are the two I always, I always think about the the book of the partner when he look he gets his adenoids removed and it's the most brutal See, basically, yeah, it just like opens wide. He just gets the skull. The and it's a dentist too, isn't it? Sam? I think yeah. We never learned. I'm I'm a trained dentist, and I we never learned how to uh, how to do Remove that. We just had yes. with the scalp. I feel like that that's like in between modern medicine and like barber surgeons, where it was just like if it bleeds, I'll fix it. I I found out that Roald Dahl was six foot five. He's really tall. Oh. It's because he was Norwegian. Is that a thing? All well, Norwegians are six foot five. Rolled is a Norwegian name. And Dal is an Indian dish. It's delicious. <laughs> it is. It is. There, there's a point in going solo where it's pointed out to him that he really should be piloting bombers or something nice and big rather than fighter fighter planes. 
But didn't he didn't he go to the USA and like seduce the president's wife or something yeah. like that? So, Wasn't he, he? so the the very end of Roald Dahl uh, of going solo, but uh, he crashes his plane and is invalided out. And he sort of stops because if he kept on going, he'd have to go into all kinds of sordid things about what he did, uh, slept for England during the Second World War and all that sort of thing. Yeah, um, he was like a honey trap. Mike, Mike TV is the, the, like his story in the, the original movie was like, he was the most obnoxious kid, but also like, he was the, he was like, this to be like a, like a fighter pilot or like the kid who got you know, <laughs> fired up into space or something like that. Like just do it. That was that was a bizarre. Like a, a, the whole thing was pretty bizarre. But like the, the, at that point, I really did lose my suspension of disbelief. <laughs> <laughs> really, um, up until then, everything yeah. seemed normal to you until then. It was pretty good. Uh, in the book, he gets like in the book um, when the the glass elevator is kind of spoiler alert. There's a glass elevator. Um, you know, as they're like traveling over the, the, the factory, you get to see all the different kids who got like, um, you know, their punishment and then they're kind of how they fix them up. And he gets stretched out like Taffy. And you can see he's like into like six foot five. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's how tall Roald Dahl was. It was yeah. Roald Dahl giving us his own origin story. Sneak. The, um, <laughs> the, the, the Violet Beauregard, you know, the one who turned into the blueberry gets like flattened. Yeah. Uh, so she ends up like... Yeah, she ends up like a like two-dimensional. That's awesome. I just really appreciate that having seen those horrible mutilations, Charlie's still like, yeah, sure, let's get in this, uh, let's just go to space. That seems fine. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. So Roald Dahl hated the movie so much that he refused to give the rights to them to a make Great Glass Elevator as a movie. So that's why there never was one. Also, because it's bonkers mad. Yeah. And then... He, when he died, Roald Dahl, he was working on a third Charlie and the Chocolate Factory story that no one knows what happens in it. The story <laughs> of Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe finally gets his redemption story where, we, where he makes up for lying in bed for however long he was. Just, <laughs> and he just gets up and walks being a straight away. Oh my yeah, God. There's apparently a big subculture of hating Grandpa Joe. There's an entire internet culture called... Yeah, we hate Uncle Joe, and it's just it's just so angry. It's <laughs> <laughs> just people who wander in after family gatherings and are like, "I hate Uncle Joe," and then they realise this is actually about a fictional character. I, I think I think it crosses over quite a lot. I think it, okay. I think most people assume that if it's, if you have a crappy Uncle Joe, he's channeling the spirit of uh, Uncle Joe. So, uh, sorry, can we get, can we can we please say Grandpa Joe his proper name? Grandpa Joe. Like, Grandpa Joe. I know you might hate him, but please give him the respect <laughs> of calling him by his proper official name. I mean, Dahl having been invalided out in the war would have seen a lot of people bed bound with shell shock, and then yeah, they immediately it, got up and did a tap routine in the yeah, and he showed everyone in his ward by just waving bits of gold paper around and thought, I need to put this in a book. <laughs> If only there were more chocolate factories around during the war. There are 1.5 million chocolate farms in the Ivory Coast or Côte d'Ivoire. It's quite a lot. Like cocoa. The world's cocoa comes from? Hmm. Cacao. Which is ironic because ivory is white and chocolate is not white. There was a song about that. Ironic? Yeah. <laughs> Ebony and cocoa beans. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, that would be the same. <laughs> <laughs> Very good it'd be, point. It'd be cocoa, cocoa beans, beans and ivory. And ivory. 
You don't hear a lot of elephants being killed for their cocoa beans, though. So. <laughs> People don't realize that you can make white chocolate just by getting the cocoa butter out and conching it and adding stuff to it. They think you have to actually get an elephant and dig it out of the tusk. <laughs> I always thought white chocolate was just made from like adding mayonnaise to chocolate. <laughs> Please try that and report back on your <laughs> <laughs> uh, White chocolate is the chocolate you have during brunch. Oh, is that is that so? And then you graduate to milk for lunch and then... No, it's just that brunch is just 100% stuff. white people culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of chocolate, they did actually end up making Wonka bars. Um, yeah. And the Wonka bars themselves were made by the Quaker Oats Company, um, <laughs> which is bonkers because also... Uh, the Quaker Oats company are not run by Quakers. They just chose Quaker Oats because they're like Quaker Oats. Quakers seem nice and like hardworking, and people want to eat. We have them. a reputation for simplicity. Yeah, so let's just have Quaker Oats. Let's just put Quakers on the, and, and that's how it happened. So yeah, but Wonka, the Wonka company no longer exists because they used to make nerds. Yes, and like Wonka rope and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we we studied Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when I was at primary school. And we told our teacher that Wonka was a legit brand and she didn't believe us and said that she would, I can't remember what she promised us, but she basically promised us something if we could prove that Wonka was a real, real company. So of course the next day before school, we all stopped in at the dairy and bought a pack of nerds. And there was like, when she got into the classroom, there's 30 kids holding up their nerds, like treats, please give us everything. Yeah. Now it's the Nestle candy company, which is. Yeah. Not the world mm. of an imagination I thought it would be. No. Uh, I assume Charlie got busted for all the labor violations that he was doing. All the Oompa Loompas working extra time. No pay. Yeah, like <laughs> Nestle are carrying on the tradition of indentured servitude and getting very small people to do jobs that they're probably not really in, really supposed to be doing. Funny you say that about Nestle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most of the chocolate bars you see in the movie are actually wooden blocks. <laughs> And because it's like a really strong teeth. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the chocolate fountain, the, the, the chocolate waterfall and chocolate river was um, just brown water. They, oh. they tried to make like, they tried to make like it like look more chocolatey or something. And it's just, no, it was just disgusting brown water. Um, they it look like brown water. Cream in it. It doesn't look good. Yeah. Mm. So, so it's, it's water with some chocolate in it, but then heaps of cream to make it a bit thicker. But of course then, on day four of this, the cream was awful and yep. everyone hated their lives and uh, yeah, really regretted uh, being in the film. And that's why many of the cast never did anything ever again. You know, the guy who played Charlie, the actor, his name is Peter Olfstrom, um, he never acted again after Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He, he once worked with Dunkin' Donuts to give out golden tickets to children, which gave the children one year's unlimited supply of coffee <laughs> for children. Did he do this exclusively to the children of people he didn't like? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, cut me off in traffic, will you? Hey, child, here's a free voucher for all of the coffee you want and a free puppy as well, because why not? <laughs> Grandpa Joe was actually like like a hard-out um, actor. Like he was very big before um before he became or the injured hated men yeah before the, <laughs> before he was bedridden with those three other weirdos he won an mm. oscar and um he beat out um the guy who played the artful dodger and gene wilder to win the oscar jack Albert, albertson did he, he nearly got an egot he got he got an emmy an oscar and a tony i think 
<laughs> do you think when they were on set for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, he just kept cutting in front of, of um, Gene Wilder and being like, sorry, this is for us the winners. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys do the Cabri tour in Dunedin? Yeah. And Go when on, they used to have the chocolate waterfall? Like four times, it was great. <laughs> I loved it. I thought the chocolate fountain, a chocolate waterfall was amazing and genuinely shook us how big it was. It was like two or three stories that it just dropped. Yeah. But then I flatted with someone who worked at the Cabri factory and she was just like, that's awful. The chocolate gets everywhere. I'm constantly like picking bits of chocolate out under my nails and <laughs> my clothes. And I was like, yeah, that does sound awful. As you, as you walked up this, the spiral stairs, like around it, you, if you touched the railing, the railing was covered in chocolate. And it's yeah. disgusting. But it wasn't think... because, again, they had to add like oil or something to it to keep it viscous enough to actually drop. So it yeah, it was very... I, I don't know how it stayed open for as long as it did because it was essentially, yeah, like a metal curving staircase inside an old grain silo or flour silo or something, just coated in oil that had <laughs> like aerosoled out of the dropping chocolate. So it was. Please do not smoke. Yeah, no, no naked flames, please, for the love of God. <laughs> and, you, and you were banned from singing the. the you know, yeah, you're banned from singing the World of Imagination song. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> That's so spooky. There are some creepy songs in that film. Uh, the Candyman Can as an adult. Mm. <laughs> Did you know Sammy Davis Jr. Yes. was so desperate to play that part, like he really wanted to in the film, and the guy and they had to say that you can't because you're too famous and it will detract from the rest of the the uh, the movie. But then he went on to sing that song, and it came to number one. It was his biggest hit of all time. The Candyman, number one. Creepy his song, yeah. number one. Happened that the the seven year olds who the movie was marketed at would stop in the Sammy Davis Jr. scene and go, "Oh no, I know this guy. This is." Mum, I need to leave. This is too much. I can't accept this. Like, how does that work? I think they wanted to be able to show the movie in the South. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, good point, Kenny. <laughs> to keep their suspension of disbelief going, eh? It's also the modern equivalent, I guess, of having Ed Sheeran show up in that episode of Game of Thrones, which I still maintain was the most disappointing thing about that entire eight-series arc. We'll, we'll it's a good thing that it only went for seven time. series and never, it wasn't eight series. <laughs> Sorry, <It's> yes. <laughs> I found out how um, much chocolate you'd have to eat to for it to kill you. Something 10 kilograms. Is that based on like when your pancreas would just give up and die or lead poisoning? It, see, no, that's if it lands on you. I would, I would say it's probably just the actual size of 10 kilograms of chocolate. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> You're talking about in a short space of time, though, right? Because yeah, I've definitely like eaten ten kilos of chocolate. Because that would be the LD fifty, the the you know the how much of something you need to take, you need to eat um, yeah. until it kills half of the people who have it. And so, like the LD fifty for a person will be different to like a cat or a dog. Notice, by the way, that there are no dogs at the chocolate factory at all. Uh, not That's sure how why. they make. Them. The luscious hazelnut whipple centers that's 100 <laughs> pure golden retriever <laughs> lure them in with chocolate yeah. <laughs> i was wondering do you think werewolves can eat chocolate sometimes think, not on a full moon they're like the opposite of women on their periods <laughs> in some ways they're the same <laughs> what, what, what if it was a werewolf that ate chocolate just before the full <laughs> moon and then turned into a wolf 
<laughs> like, Thank you so much for keeping on talking there, Tom. I, um, <laughs> yeah, just talk over whatever Jen's about to say. Keep on right. going. <laughs> oh, have you guys ever been to the chocolate shop that theoretically inspired Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? No. Cool. It's in central London, um, really close to Fortnum and Mason. There's this really old shopping arcade, and it's beautiful. Damn it, I can't remember what the shop is called, but it is amazing and it's all beautifully colourful and it's like got bright pink boxes full of chocolates and stuff. And apparently Roald Dahl used to work near there and he used to walk through that arcade and that's that arcade is what he based Charlie oh what he based Willy Wonka's chocolate factory on. That's amazing. That's really cool. So there was meant to be another kid in Charlie and Chocolate Factory, but they cut her out. Did you guys hear about this one? No. From the film? It's Miranda Piker, um, was her name. Which is great. Um, so a little bit of a fish theme there. Pike and goes with trout, I guess. But um, she was the daughter of a headmaster and she really liked school. So um, her big thing was they there was this spotty powder that you yeah. put on your cornflakes in the morning and it would give you spots for just long enough to get off going to school. And she took umbrage at this and um, decided to shut it all down. So Willy Wonka killed her. Um, <laughs> Well, gave it smallpox just right in front of everyone else it, it sounds like it sounds like i'm joking but he, he shut her in the machine with everything and, <laughs> and 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 for some reason they decided that child murder was bad or something and they culled it out of the book but um yeah, she didn't make the final cut i um oh i found it you know in the movie where they've got the um they're in that terrifying boat that weirdly has the exact right number of Seats for the people excluding Augustus Gloop who's just died. Died. Um, the the Oompa the actor driving that boat, thought he was actually steering the boat when it was on a railway. So he's like, oh. <laughs> thought he was doing it, poor guy. <laughs> when did Apocalypse Now come out? Because I'm just thinking, like, there's Charlie. You've got to keep away from Charlie. Charlie's coming out of the trees. Do you think this um, is a, Do you think that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is a is a metaphor for the Vietnam War? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just wondering. There's a boat trip. There's dun, 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 the pointless. Who was the Vietnam War? Seventy, uh, right? Sixty-seven to seventy-two, or something like that. New Zealand was involved. Sixty-three and to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was written in sixty-eight, I think. In the movie seventy-one. No, the plot thickens. Close together. I didn't realize it was that close. Walt Disney play, paid for Roald Dahl's fake teeth. Wallow he, in his head? The, one, the, the ones for him to put in his face to use for eating. Oh. He, like he, first... he bought teeth for Roald Dahl, not he bought the teeth that Roald Dahl had. So he, no, he paid for the money that Roald Dahl used to buy his fake, his false teeth with. I thought he was like, hey, you Roald Dahl, I'm Walt Disney. Do you know how much money I have? I'll buy the teeth out of your head right now. Here you go. Here's the money and I'll take the teeth. Thank you. You don't get to say no. Otherwise, I'll take the teeth. I've got mouse money. What have you got? Fantastic Mr. Fox money? Not enough money. I've got, I've got goofy money. So Roald Dahl's first kid's book was called Gremlins and it was about the creatures that all fighter pilots or pilots say come on the plane and then help crash your plane so yeah. Bell wrote a lovely kids book about that and um and then sold it to the walt disney company who gave them paid for it Roald Dahl said that 
um, refused to take any money for it, except for the money to buy his false teeth and the rest of it he donated to some sort of charity. Ah, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Anyway, his butt yeast was used to make beer. Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, as you may know, craft beer is kind of in a race to just continually create the most bizarre amalgams of flavors and concepts and everything else. Thank yes, you for saying amalgam just then. That was very nice of you. And yes, someone decided to swab Roald Dahl's old writing chair, which still exists in his home in Great Missenden, oh, uh, no. obtain yeast from that swab and culture that to brew beer. So you can buy Roald Dahl butt yeast beer, although that's not what it's called. Fantastic, Mr. Froth. <laughs> I was thinking of like schnozwalter or Gazprobletro yeah. or something like that. Oh. Wow, that sounds impressive and disgusting. Incredibly yeah. disgusting. You could go for a Harry Potter crossover and have butterbeer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the one Roald Dahl pun that makes me really sad that no one's taken up is in Cardiff in Wales, because um, he's Welsh, obviously, um, there is a Roald Dahl Plus, which is um, the Welsh word for like place or square, um, in the middle of Cardiff next to the, um, it's like the, the National Arts Centre or something. It's a massive sort of concert venue, big cultural centre. Um, also the secret entrance to Torchwood for, I think, at least two of them. I did wonder, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Roald Dahl Plus. And no one has put up a Roald Dahl Dahl house. <laughs> on Roll Dahl Plus. You could have an Indian restaurant there. It's hard to roll the dowel. It's not very sticky. <laughs> if he'd gone in with a Quaker Oats team, they could have made rolled oats. Oh, yeah. Just a orange shop. It's very good. I would buy rolled <laughs> oats. <laughs> hey, what do you guys think the moral of, of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is? Kill your opponents? <laughs> yeah. Hope that everyone dies before you do. Yeah. I mean, that's how Grandpa Joe made it out. He just literally <laughs> waited for everyone else to get too decrepit to be able to go with Charlie. It, it was just the nicer of the four terrible, terrible grandparents. How convenient. Well, well is it Joe and Josephine and George and Georgina? That's weird. That seems like when the first one couple did it, the other couple were like, well, I guess we have to. <laughs> I, think, I think the moral of the story is rich guys be crazy. <laughs> If you're a white male, survivorship bias is on your side. <laughs> German people love chocolate. Do I look like condescending Wonka? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that so great that that's Gene Wilder's lasting <laughs> memory? It's the stupid meme. He did so much great stuff. Right. And and then it was, a weird hybrid of that and then Blazing Saddles. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And, and then Johnny Depp came along and, and oh, thankfully no one even remembers that. that. No, like the best thing in the world that no one remembers the Johnny Depp version of Bully Wonka. Gene Wilder was that good. He overshadowed one of the, well, Johnny Depp. <laughs> I just want to talk about Vermicious Knids because I think they're the coolest, weirdest creatures ever. Yes. Yeah. My favorite fact about Vermicious Nids is that before they attack humans, they contort their bodies to spell out the word scram because it's the only human word they know. Which it's I don't a very understand. good word. 
number one, it's not a particularly common word. And number two, why they feel the need to spell out anything in the language of the creature about to eat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very caring thing. It's just, kind of like, it's kind of like going up to a chicken and go, bark, bark. walking down the corridor, like, I don't need to run after you. I'm just going to walk slowly. I'm going to give you warning. Maybe they were the original adrenochrome fiends and they wanted people to be really scared before they ate them. One of my favorite things about Gene Wilder is that um, when they, like, because they offered a bunch of people the, the, the role. Well, they were talked about a lot of people for the role. Apparently, um, uh, yeah, it was like the, the, the pythons they were talking about and, you know, all these, all these different people. Um, but Gene Wilder, they offered it to Gene Wilder and he was like, um, I'll do it. But the only reason, the, the only time I'll do it is if my first entrance. And he basically describes the entrance of Willy Wonka coming in. And, um, and it's so good. And you're like, man, I mean, Gene Wilder. Yeah. You get some strong Eric Idle overtones. Like, you could imagine them being related. But they apparently weren't big enough to be a, a Willy Wonka at that point. Oh, I thought you meant big, like, emoting big. Was like, no, that's massive. Please are six foot five. The same height as. I don't know if that's true. Please once uh, checked out my wife, and it was an honor. <laughs> <laughs> I would glad we wouldn't do it again. I think, I think we've all checked out your wife, Sam. She's pretty fit. <laughs> she's the only woman that he's not paying child support to. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on tour just to pay for all his previous jellyfishes. <laughs> and then he talks about it. That's, you know, yeah. it's oh, nice his comedy from him. What should we do next time?